0: Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day, this opportunity to gather here and to worship you. Lord, as we continue to seek you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, open our hearts and minds, Lord, to what you have for us this day and each day. May my words be yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. This is a special Sunday. We call it Transfiguration Sunday we have the reading of this Transfiguration story as our gospel lesson and the first three verses kind of tell this story to us what happened on this mountainside with Jesus and and Peter James and John Jesus of course had the 12 disciples and of those there were three that he was very close with those three that are here in this moment and perhaps even one of those three that he had a very intimate relationship with which if you ask anybody but Peter was John and so we have this story here and it's an interesting story and it really is meant to be a story that is both literal and symbolic it's not just another story that well maybe it was like this this is really meant to be both literal and symbolic some stories in scripture are very literal some stories in scripture are symbolic. This is one story that is both. And of course we get in verse 4, Peter is the first to respond. Peter is always the first to respond. He is the first to act. He's a verbal processor. He feels like he has to do or say something right away, perhaps a, a bit impulsive, a man after my own heart. And so Peter... Peter says something. He's got to do something. He's got to figure something out. He's got to do something with this great and powerful moment. And even though Peter is reactionary, even though maybe Peter kind of speaks out of turn and overreacts, Peter also gets things more than we realize. That Peter in his actions of of this, of saying he would never deny Jesus and then denying Jesus three times, Peter and his impulsivity in moments of fear or or jumping out of the boat to swim across the lake to Jesus, Peter understands something deeper. Because you see, when Peter says in this verse, it is good for us to be here, he's doing more than just stating the obvious. He's doing more than just pointing out something that anybody, even even that didn't get it, could understand. Peter, although not always perfect in his words and actions, understood things spiritually. He had a spiritual depth to him. You see, these words, it is good for us to be here, more than anything else are about celebrating God's presence. That's what Peter understands. Maybe Peter, perhaps more than any of us, understands that, that God's presence is so significant, it's so important, that there is, in fact, nothing greater than God's presence. And so Peter, in his moment of reaction and quick commentary, he gets it. He understands what's happening here. He understands the power and significance of God's presence. And, you know, God's presence isn't just in this book. It isn't just for Sunday mornings. It isn't just in communion, although those are all important things in which we embrace and celebrate God's presence, that God is still present with us. God can be present with us in each and every moment of our daily lives, that God's presence is a great gift to us. And so we go on here in verses five through seven. It talks about a bright cloud. This cloud is also probably very literal, but the cloud, of course, is symbolic of God. And we see here in verses five through seven, we see, of course, God's words. We see the response of Jesus. We see the response of the disciples that the disciples, when the clouds open up, when they see this bright light, if they've already seen Jesus transfigured into a different image. They've already seen Moses and Elijah. If that was not enough, they see this. And so their response is to fall face down terrified. I find this to be an incredibly natural response, a normal response that perhaps if we were to come face to face with God, we were to experience something like this, that fear would be a natural response. But they didn't run away in fear. They fell face down in fear because this fear is not so much about being worried about God or God's power or God's punishment, but it's a sense of holy fear, which is what the scripture calls us to. Unfortunately, we embrace All other kinds of fear, and we forget about holy fear. This holy fear that is about awe and respect and worship, and so they fall face down in worship. And all these moments in Scripture throughout the Old and New Testament where we have these amazing God encounters, this is what happens. The first words... That come out of Jesus' mouth are the words that come out of so many people's mouths or come out of God's mouth when so many people encounter God. Whether it's Moses in the burning bush, whether it's this moment, do not be afraid that we don't have to fear God. We can have confidence. We can worship and have faith with confidence. We can trust God. We're, in fact, called to trust God. Yet we can have a sense of awe and wonder and respect for the power and the grace of the God of the universe who shapes everything. And so I find the disciples' response here very natural that when we encounter God in life there should be this sense of awe and wonder, perhaps this sense of natural fear as well. It's a big deal. And we see here also what God says. We see this saying, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Listen to him. It's a familiar phrase, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. perhaps heard me preach about this when we talked about the baptism of Jesus. I'm not going to recount that whole sermon. You can certainly, if you are interested and don't remember and want to hear it again, you can go online and engage with that. But of course it is the message of God's love, not just the identity of Jesus by our identity, that we are children of God, that I am loved by the God of the universe, that you are loved by the God of the universe, that we are loved by the God of the universe, and in the midst of our sin, our mistakes, in the midst of our imperfection, our disobedience, God is proud of us. God is proud with us for our small measures of faith. But God is deeply in love with us. But there's something different here. You have this phrase here that doesn't appear in the baptism of Jesus as we read it this a couple months ago. Listen to him, it says. Listen to him. Listening is important. Listening is not easy. You know, God is saying to not just the disciples, but to us, to listen to Jesus, not just because he's Jesus, but that's important, but also because Jesus has so much to offer us, life abundant, in fact, that everything we need, Jesus has for us. And Jesus is not just to be a place of comfort, a a Sunday occasion, That Jesus has everything we need for life, for every moment. that All that we hope for and desire, even those things we don't realize we desire, Jesus has for us. And so we're called to listen to him. As I said in children's time, listening is a sign of respect, a sign of love. It indicates significance, not only of content, but of relationship. If you think of times that you have felt the most hurt, the most disrespected, whether by someone in your family, someone you love, someone you know well, perhaps a child, someone you don't even know, that we often feel the most slighted when we don't feel heard, when we're not listened to. And so our call to listen to Jesus, and that's never happened to me in marriage but I'm just saying if it did. See, I can make stuff up because Jessica's out of town this weekend. (laughs) Listening is that sign of respect. And so we're called to listen to Jesus. Listen to Jesus, in fact, more than we listen to anyone else, more than we listen to the culture, even our spouse, even our financial advisor, our pastor, our best friend, that person whose opinion we care a lot about. We should listen to those around us because God speaks through those. We should listen to those that we love and respect as a continuation of our honor and respect for them. But our first listening should come from Jesus because Jesus has something great to offer us. But again, like this message of this is my son with whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased, it's not just a message for Jesus, it's a message for us. You see, this listening to him is also something that we can do for one another. It is, of course, a way to show love and respect, but each of us has something to offer. Each one of us, me, each one of you, has something to offer those around you, those you love, those you know, even the strangers you encounter. Here in the church, we all have something valuable given by God to offer one another And so we've got to build this posture of listening with one another, listening to one another, because you never know when the Spirit is going to speak to us through another. Some of my greatest learnings have come through others and the way that God has spoken through them. We have something to offer. We have something to offer those we love. We have something to offer one another here in the church. And we, individually and together, have something to offer our community and the world. Listening starts with us. So often we want others to listen to us, but we struggle to listen. That that one mouth and those two ears that we have are often not used proportionally. I say that incredibly hypocritically, of course. We're called to listen. We have something to offer. Jesus has a lot to offer us. I love that this Transfiguration Sunday falls before we begin the season of Lent, this season that I love so much. And one of the reasons I love it so much is for me, this is when I best listen in the church year. And you know, you think I'd learn because it's when I best listen that I experience and learn the most from God. And so this season of Lent, my prayer for myself, my prayer for each of you, is that we would engage in perhaps the most significant, most focused, most God-centered, holy listening that we ever have, individually and as a church. You see, a lot of times people like to say ridiculous things that they think are in the scripture, but are not like, you know, God hit me upside the head with a two by four. But that's not how God operates. The spirit is one who whispers, and it's hard to hear in the midst of noise, literal and figurative noise. And so the great joy of Lent is this focus on Christ and his suffering, this season of reflection is that we can listen better. And when we listen, God does great things. That's what happens in prayer. We seek to listen. We seek to listen to the one who knows us better than we can ever know ourselves. And that's why I love the Lenten journey. That's why my prayer as we do all these things, as we participate in all these services, is that we would listen better, that God would speak in the exact way that we need to hear. That's the beauty. That's the joy. We can still encounter God. My hope, my great prayer, my great joy is that this Lent season would be full of God encounter for each and every one of us. Beautiful, intense, holy, surprising, transforming encounter with the God of the universe. You know, sometimes in Lent, We give something up, we don't just do that for fun. We do that so that when we think about that thing, whether that's chocolate or caffeine or whatever it might be, that in those moments when we're craving that thing, we would stop and pray and listen. And in fact, I like to add things in Lent, add a couple devotionals in Lent and I've suggested some in our newsletter and the NALC has one on their website. But also, in Lent, we can add things to our lives that help us to focus on God. That's why I hope we can take these prayer inserts and and take time to pray these prayers for ourselves, for our church, and for our role individually and collectively in our community in the world. But my hope for Lent isn't it just be another thing that we do, but that it be so rich that we'd be transfigured, transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ as we listen better to Jesus. And so it's that simple. My hope and my prayer, that we can all listen to the God of the universe in new and in powerful ways, and that we can be transformed, that we can be changed. That we can encounter and experience God once again in subtle and significant ways, in ways that draw us into a more abundant life and a deeper relationship with the one who died for us on the cross, Jesus Christ. Let us pray. God, we thank you for this day, for the story of the gospel, for its symbolic and literal significance. God, that you call us to be a people who listen. As we continue to embrace your transformation, the transformation that you have for us, as we prepare to enter this Lenten season, give us a stronger ability to listen, to hear what you have for us, God, individually, as families, and as a church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.